Our leader for tonight is Andrea. Hi, I'm Andrea, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Andrea. Uh, I'm probably going to sit in a while because I brought all these props. Um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. First of all, I want to apologize for anybody who's been to the meetings that I've been speaking at lately. I didn't realize I had scheduled two that were so close, and, and people didn't want me to back out. So um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, these are pictures. Uh, there's a couple of pictures in there that I was supposed to beat myself into the mission of Stop the Overeating by the disgust I had. And there's a, I didn't realize, but a bunch of those pictures, my favorite picture of myself, which was given to me because God forbid I keep any pictures. Um, it's my favorite now because I'm a normal size. Um, is when I'm pregnant. But my pregnancy was... I had to come to a lot of realizations by the age of 32 to do what this program asked me to do, to be able to be a normal-sized person. And I thought at the time it was extreme. I don't think it's extreme anymore. I just know how difficult it is. But to some people, it seems like an extreme thing. But like an alcoholic who never drinks again, there are certain foods that I really should never eat again because I have a physical addiction to them, I have an emotional dependency on them, and I'm spiritually unfit in so many ways that I turn to this substance to relieve me of my fears or whatever's going on. Reality as a whole, I hate it. Matter of fact, I was talking to somebody this morning, and she goes, I just can't stand reality. I said, neither can I. But too bad, that's what I'm in as a life. Anyway, what it was like was I... um, my parents were very good about my weight. They never made me feel good and made me feel bad. They were very loving in a nice way. They were both living their own lives, trying to make their lives work after World War II, and they had married young. My father had been very overweight and had an ugly, I guess, a bad complexion, and he went in the Navy and came back and looked like a movie star. <laughs> and my mom had had a slight weight problem when she was like 14 or so, but then she got interested in boys and started smoking, and had a knockout body, fabulous legs, which I never did inherit. Anyway, I thought when I got thin, I'd have them, but I didn't. Anyway, I have my father's legs. So anyway, what happened was I hated being fat. And people also said things to me, and I had a skinny cousin, and I'm positive she rubbed it in a lot. She used to steal my clothes, and she was like this, and I'm over here like this. But anyway, uh, a lot of jealousy there. Anyway, what happened was um, I hated it, and my mother even went on diets with me. And if anything else had worked, and if anything still probably worked, I wouldn't be here. But nothing else worked at the time I came back in. You know, my eating as a child, I ate a lot of sugar. I have very bad teeth because of it. I ate a lot of sugar as a young child, and I used to have to steal money and stuff because it wasn't around the house a lot because my father, when he got came back in the service and after he married my mom, he always kind of watched his weight. So we ate very healthy. But I love food. It's not just sweets, and it's not just carbohydrates. I love food. And my mother was a good cook. And uh, anyway... I was overweight, and I was short, and I grew as tall as I got to eighth grade, and I never grew anymore. And like I said, the weight bothered me more than it bothered anybody else. I'm positive it bothered some people, but it bothered me. And uh, what it was like, well, everybody here has horror stories, or most of us do, about our feelings being hurt and everything else. But nothing helped me lose weight. 
No matter how much I, no matter how much I resolved, I just couldn't maintain a normal size or lose weight. And it is a progressive disease. I went plateaued up and down. I hit my top weight in my pregnancy at 213, but I had a baby and lost 20 pounds, so I was under 200. These things will never leave my mind, these memories. One night I was at a retreat with somebody and she said, yeah, my top weight, 213. Her top weight was not 213, that was my weight. We were both talking. And anyway, it just hit me funny. Anyway, what it was like. I was raised in a religion. I found a lot of comfort in the religion when I was young. Certain parts of the religion I crashed onto and I used it. And I remember I had an altar in my room. I was thinking of becoming a nun one time. Very dramatic. Uh, you know, after the nun story, I was definitely going to become a nun in the Congo. This is a lazy person who would not have made a good nun. <laughs> Self-centered and selfish. <laughs> Couldn't stop eating. I'd be sneaking the food, and then, uh, probably. Anyway, um, and I did ask God for help, but I never thought I was going to have to look at the food. I kept thinking a miracle was going to happen. And I kind of went along with that, and I laughed a lot, and when people hurt my feelings, I became very dishonest, very dishonest about my food. It's one of the hardest things is talking to a food sponsor and really being honest. Not only what you're doing, but how about what you're thinking about doing, how about how you're feeling, everything that leads up to it. You know, you don't, I, I didn't just take a bite. There was a real lot of thought about it. But I didn't know that. I was very ignorant about this. And I did not come in this program to work these 12 steps. I, had, I thought I was a victim. I felt they treated me unfair. I felt people were mean to me. My personality is, um, just recently somebody said some things to me and it was very hurtful and some of it was surprising and there were two people there. And what happens, which I still do, is I just shut down. I never have been a good arguer. My mother, my brother, my daughter, any, every, everybody in my family are better arguers than I am. And I don't like confrontation, but it's real hard to make this life and to do what you need to do for yourself and not have confrontation. This is all stuff I've learned in the program. I don't talk like this. This is the words I use today. That's why I read these books and have these props, because this is not natural. Although I wanted a spiritual naturalness, I wanted that spiritual basis when I was introduced to my religion. I liked the calmness of these people in these black robes and the beads. My family was very hectic, very Italian after World War II. There was a lot going on in my family, which I didn't know of all the details. Anyway, just people trying to make their life work. Anyway, um, what happened is the disease progressed. I kept thinking something was going to happen. One of the things that helped me come here, I had tremendous denial. Still do. Somebody said I still do. Some people say I still do at times. Tremendous denial. I had really no idea when I came back in here at 2.13, again, not pregnant, um, and got this abstinence I have today by the grace of God, I, did, I had no idea what the person, the leader up at the, top, at the thing that was on the same food plan of me, weighed about 98 pounds. I had no idea at 2.13 how little food she ate. I had no true realization about it. Thought I had a bad metabolism. I thought I was unlucky. Thought there were a lot of reasons I was as fat as I was. I did not think it was the food. And I didn't like hearing it either. And one of the other things I hated about this disease was the mental obsession, the fight, the 
fight, the fight, the fight, the fight. No, 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 I'm not going to do it. Then I do it. Then there's this relief for a few seconds. And then there's the hate, the self-hate. I did it again. I don't want to get dressed tomorrow. I don't want to go to work. You know, all that stuff, that mental obsession, the fight is tiring. And I always lose in the end. Because, and I didn't know that I had a, I have the mind of a compulsive overeater. They say the mind of an alcoholic. My mind's out to get me. The disease doesn't care how long. And I was just reading something that said, my spirituality of today isn't going to help me tomorrow. It is only a daily reprieve. And that's the hard part. Because I'm good, you know, like it talks about how we're good in the short run. But this is the long haul here. And my, so anyway... I was pro. I was ready, and after I let's go back to my early. So then I got married at 25. That was it. That was going to do it. Then I got the house, the starter house. That was going to do it. Then I got the china cabinet that I needed. I had all these things that I thought were going to turn around my life. I never thought I was going to come into a 12-step program and be given a food plan that made me speak up and become a different person. And there was uh, this sign on the walls, because we used to go to a lot of AA meetings, and it used to say, change or die. I didn't know the change was not only going to be my food, it was going to be the way I looked at things, and it was going to be my personality needed some changes. And I didn't think I needed any of that. So anyway, I came back in. I was desperate. I was 32 years old. My daughter was two and a half. And you know, my mother used to say, if you don't mean it, don't do it again. She always said words are cheap. So here I wanted my daughter never to have this disease. And I'm now having a hard time sneaking around eating because she's not taking her nap anymore. And I didn't want her to see me overeating or binging in the afternoon. And I'm very lucky because at the end I wanted a bag, a huge bag of potatoes. Ten minutes? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so here I am. I arrive. Somebody calls me uh, Tuesday of Easter week. And I have to see my family again. I'm at my top weight. I am humiliated. The thing about this disease is you can't hide it. You know, I heard somebody say once, an alcoholic can get cleaned up, dressed up, and you don't know. I had to work hard, tooth and nail to lose the weight. And I had to change the way I was living, change the way I was eating. So this person picks me up. She's changed. She's lost weight. Her personality's changed, and I thought it should change. Uh, arrogant that I am, and then I, um, I, had st- I start, and we go to this meeting, and the speaker's on the same food plan. She, from day one, my sponsor, and a lot of other people in this program, from day one, believed in the addiction to the sugar, if you're a sugar addict, and a lot of times the carbohydrates, because the carbohydrates turn to sugar immediately in your system. I think that's a physical thing. Anyway, or anyway. Anyway, and at that time, I wasn't eating as many sweets because I was working tooth and nail to only weigh 213, but I'm a big eater. I love food. I love, and my father, you know, I just love it. And my father liked to cook and everything. So anyway, bottom line is I come in here, and I had, I guess, what you'd call like a hope. I had lost all hope in the last 20 months of my eating. I had lost some weight, gained it all back, and now I was really miserable again. Once you have lost the weight and you feel better and you gain it back, for me it was more mis- it was more miserable if that's a word. It just was wor- it was just worse. And the hope of doing it again, I had lost the hope. 
and I got hope in this room between the speaker, the person that brought me, and we went to Pacifica because I had been going to San Francisco meetings and I didn't want to see anybody, of course. So we went to Pacifica and this group of ladies were so nice. And we made that our regular meeting. And uh, the speaker just reinforced this person's belief in the, in the physical addiction. And this person said, let's start tomorrow. You know, I cried my heart out that night, really, really, the thought of, I really didn't know if I wanted to live without any more potato chips or potatoes. And uh, I, I wasn't even thinking of other food. The, the sugar I had known I should stop eating. I knew that that was something I should not eat because it put on the weight so fast, or at least that's the way I felt. This is the things I felt. <clears throat> and at this meeting, you have these 12 steps. They were overwhelming. I had no desire to do any of them. Almost my whole family's buried at Holy Cross. I thought, I'll wait until they die, and I'll go up to the grave and make the amend. I have a weird sense of humor. My mother used to call it a mash unit. But this is the way I thought, because I thought, I'm never doing step four, and I'm not doing step nine. So I said, don't worry. And my sponsor said, don't worry about it. You're on step one, two, and three. You've got to deal with, you've got to really accept all of step one that I am powerless over food, and that my life is unmanageable. Maybe not with everything, but with some things it is unmanageable. For me, it was with everything. So one of the things that kept me coming was the sponsor picking me up and bringing me. And the other thing was that when we, they read the 12 steps and all this stuff, I'd listen to this ABC, and that, that got me. That I was a compulsive overeater and could not manage my own life that probably no human power could relieve this compulsion to overeat. If I thought there was something else, I'd buy it and I'd do it. And that God could and would if he were sought. Now that part I kind of went over. You know, they tell you if you don't like certain things, just don't do it, not yet. And so my sponsor didn't make me do anything except talk about my food every day. And I forget to say when I talk about this step one, two, and three, another step that became very important was the 10th step, because to not eat every day, first of all, we had, I had to find out what was a carbohydrate and all that stuff had to be eliminated. And I said, oh, don't worry, I'll be able to give up rice. Three weeks later, my mother made my favorite dish with that, and I thought, oh, God, I'm never going to have that again. And then my sponsor would say, don't think that way just for today. You're just doing it for today. And I had a goal. I wanted to lose weight. I had to have a goal. I wanted to be free of the mental obsession. I just want, I had a goal, which I'm not a goal-orientated person, but I did have a goal for that. So then I had to go to step 10. And this person had a lot of time, and I had a lot of time. Neither of us was working. I think she was maybe, no, she wasn't working, I don't think yet. So we w I'd wake up in the morning, we'd plan the night before what I was gonna have for breakfast, and then we'd start discussing bread, lunch. Lunch was usually the same thing. And God got me. You know, if you ever fished, you catch a, fish under there and you hook them, that's what happened. I lost 40 pounds in about five months, and I did not want to put that weight back on. I ate almost the same lunch, and my husband, I never got such delicious meals, because then I had to cook dinner every night, and then I had to clean up the dishes, then I had to go grocery shopping. I became a very busy lady instead of laying on the couch taking care of this kid. But I also had to do step 10. I had to start discussing what was happening. I had to start discussing my feelings. This is not something that came naturally. She used to say, well, how do you feel? Now this sponsor used to know exactly what she was feeling and would have the name for it. I hated it. But me, I'm over here and she'd say, what did you feel? And I'd say, hurt, I'm hurt. They really hurt my feelings. That's all I could say. 
I shut, I didn't even say I shut down, but I did. When something happened, I'd just go, okay, and I'd walk away. <clears throat> I don't always do that now. But anyway, this step 10 became very important because I had to discuss every day. And you see, I didn't want to do step four, but guess what? In doing step 10 every day, I prepared myself to do step four because a lot of the things I did 30, I don't know, I'm 75, how many years ago, 43 years ago, I'm still having trouble with some of that stuff. It maybe has a new name or it has a new group of people. Most of the people that were in my life at that time are gone now. So I have a whole new group of people to deal with. I came in this room, I have another whole group to have a relationship with. <laughs> and you know when we say principles over personalities? The personality in this room that does me the most damage is my personality. I'm here to get principles on my personality. I did leave the program once years ago and I left it because somebody was driving me crazy and using big words, and I'm not an educated person, and I was taken personally, and I didn't know what she, I knew what she was saying, but I, I really wanted to leave and eat. That's why I left. I wanted to eat, and I didn't want to have the guilt. I wanted to enjoy it, I thought. It is not, if it was still enjoyable, I'd do it. That's why they tell you to remember your, your last binge, to remember the worst binge you ever had, to remember the time it was made yourself so sick that's what I have to kind of remember and compare to what I have today. And if I didn't have a better life today, I would, why would I not eat? I insist, this big book, oh, I don't have the big book. Well, the big book, there's none over there. Anyway, the AA big book, it says in the big book, God says he insists that I be happy, joyful, and free. That free is free of food, free of the obsession. My sponsor said if I stayed off those foods for five to six months that I would be relieved of a desire for them. I heard something really good at the meeting. Oh, geez, what'd she say? She said she saw a food and she didn't desire it or have a... Longing. A longing, that was it. She said she had a longing. You know, you see somebody eating something, they're happy, they're joyful. I saw this girl once had 10 10.30 in the morning, double-decker ice cream cone fabulous figure, and I thought, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I never looked like her my whole life. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do that instead of being at uh, Safeway buying vegetables. I had to, because of the, my food plan, I don't eat carbohydrates, I had to develop a real relationship with vegetables. And there's a lot of vegetables I can't always eat because I eat too many of them. The desire to overeat. Have I asked God every single day to take that away? I've had trouble. And my sponsor, when I first started this abstinence, she kept saying, there's that first bite. Don't take that first bite. And if you're able to get off these substances, don't take it. She goes, no matter how bad it gets with anything else, don't take that first bite because you may never get it back again. And I've seen a lot of people where that's happened. I don't know where they're at now because they leave a lot of times, but I'm very fearful of that first bite of those foods. And I should, I should be, because it all changes very quickly. This is a daily reprieve. And I wanted to talk, what else did I want to say? Oh, I wanted to talk about it upon, arrive, upon arising in the morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. On awakening, let me think of the 24 hours. I have to think of the first thing I think of, well, not always, but the best thing I can do is start up in the morning and thank God for the day. And somebody gave me this little plaque and it said, 
what if you only had today all the things you thanked God for yesterday? And I thought, woof, I wouldn't have very much. Anyway, <laughs> because gratitude was another thing that was hard to come by. And my relationship with God went on. And my sponsor kept saying to me, because I said to her, I don't know if I can do that fourth step. She goes, don't worry about it. You've got to get a relationship. Do I have five more? Or is it over? She said, you've got to get a relationship to God to do that step four. It's painful. It's going to be painful. And I was, it's very painful. It was very painful. Forget it was. For me, it was very painful to really see who I am. I thought I was this victim, wonderful Christian girl, full of love and all this stuff, and it's not me. <laughs> I'm afraid I might have some of that, but I have a lot of other stuff. And I didn't know it. I didn't know that I had the resentments. The... And I was just telling somebody coming up here, I'm 75 years old. I have more anger now than I think I've ever had in my life. I don't, <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on, and it's, it's just showing up a lot more or something. I don't know what it is. And there is a lot going on, but everybody in this room has things going on. Anyway... Upon awaking, thinking of your 24 hours, I have to think of my three meals. Think of my day, and then I think, well, where are the meals going to fit in? Do I have the food in the refrigerator? And I've gone through a lot of phases. I went through a period of, uh, I had a sponsor that, that I was talking to, and I'd write down my food, and at the end of the day, I would talk about what I really ate. <laughs> I'm writing down these three abstinent, very light meals, and instead, I'm on the phone trying to find somebody to go out to lunch with. And that means I'm going to eat more. You know, I'm trying always to get away with something. And the sad thing is when it comes to this disease, I don't get away with anything. I just don't. Anyway, um, and it's, I think of the 24 hours, and then also in my 10th step, it asks me, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person? Were we kind and loving towards all? You know, the big book in these books asked me to be kind, tolerant, understanding, and love, loving. You know, when I make amends to my husband or my daughter or my grandchildren, I'm making amends to them for me because I'm the one that's going to wait 213. Their lives are working. I'm the one that ends up with the problem. What do they say with the resentment? Uh, what is, I forget, something about me taking the poison and then dying, or me dying, and anyway, something like that. Anyway, whatever you guys probably know. Were you thinking of yourselves most of the time? Yes, that's what I'm usually thinking of. Or were you thinking of what you could do for others? Of what you could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what correct measures should be taken. I fall short, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't read this. And, it, and that's what I do is with inventory. Sometimes during the day, um, it's just good if I just go in the back room and just sit quietly, or even if I turn on the TV and just zone out to just calm down, to have that minute of not saying the wrong thing. You know, so many times since the program, I um, you know, I go to, I know I'm on the phone, let's say, with a relative or something, and they say something, and I think, I'm going to tell her this, and there's this moment that says, don't do it, Andrea, don't do it, and what do I do? I turn around, and I go, I'm doing it, and then I tell her something, next thing I know, a couple of days later, I'm making an amend or something, because it's none of my business. Did she ask me? No. Did she want my opinion? She can ask me for it. She didn't. 
This is the kind of stuff that I never did any of this before these steps and before this program. Um, oh, there was a really good thing here. It said something about prayer is not a method of using God, but of showing up for duty. You know, uh, do I always, you know, think, what can I bring in this thing? These are the kind of things that people have said, and I've written it in my step book. And even if I don't feel it, I'm thinking, there was a time when I really felt this statement. Where have I fallen short? Today, when I was talking to something, somebody about what had happened yesterday, this morning, I just happened to get a hold of somebody. It's really a treat when they can talk. And I could talk. I had the freedom to talk. And I told her something that had happened, and she said to me, she goes, we were talking about the spiritual solution. That's the thing you have in this room. People helping you find spiritual solutions to these problems rather than eating over them. Somebody, I can call somebody up and say, oh my God, I'm, I'm on the way home and I want to change my dinner. They take the time to talk to me. Or I text them. I love it. Somebody said at a meeting the other day, it's 10 o'clock, she texts people and says, I want lunch, it's only 10 o'clock. I can't, it's not time for lunch. I've only been working an hour. And then somebody texts her back and says something to her. And so many times it's just relieved. You know, I, all I have to do is the footwork and the answers are there. I want to end with that. The, the night I came in, I really didn't think I could do it. I really had lost all hope. And my sponsor said to me, there's a power in this room that will help you never eat another potato chip. And she was right. There's a power in this room. Don't have to explain it. Don't have to even believe in it. Just zero in on it. And that's what she helped me do. So thank you.